see you. Come in. Hey. Uh, we were hoping to borrow your wassail bowl. Oh, I'm sorry, Nas. I've already loaned it to Lawrence Emerson and his madrigal caroling group. Well, you can kiss that bowl goodbye, Fraser. The Yule tones are the bad boys of Renaissance Christmas music. <laughs> Have you ever seen a church common room after one of their performances? Oh. It's just... Why don't you just use the punch bowl? Well, because then it wouldn't be wassail, it'd be punch. What's the difference? Uh, My dad used to say that punch makes you want to kiss the donkey in the manger scene and wassail makes you want to check it into the inn. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, listen, Daphne, I, I was just wondering, is your mum partial to a traditional Cornwall dressing? You see, I'm thinking it would go splendidly with the 12-pound Hungarian goose that I'm serving. <laughs> mum is spending Christmas on a cruise, an early Christmas present from Niles. <laughs> yes, uh, I didn't think she would go for it, but apparently in international waters they can play single-deck blackjack. Oh! Um, actually, Fraser, Daphne and I would like to have you over to our place for Christmas this year. Yeah, we just put up our tree and everything looks so lovely, and it is our first Christmas as a married couple. Well, as lovely as that sounds... Oh, come on, why not? Well, Niles, because it's a little late to be changing things, isn't it? Besides, we've always had Christmas here. It's a tradition. Wassel. A Christmas punch. <laughs> the Wrestling Life. Beneath the starry sky, all the Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life, it's episode 320, we are back. It is the second week of December 2022, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, we have so much to talk about this week. We really do, and so many things we can't talk about on this, still the first, and still the only, wrestling podcast. So I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a Sasha Banks fan. What? Hello, Ethan. It is your girl, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. And uh, there's a report that uh, she's going to Japan for Wrestle Kingdom as a guest of New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's a PW Insider report. Usually their reports on who's going to be somewhere are pretty good because their sources are people in the travel departments of companies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they know who's got a plane ticket and that kind of thing. But Sasha Banks going to Japan for Wrestle Kingdom, as am I. <laughs> you guys have so much in common. We really do. We always have. We're basically the same person. I've always <laughs> said that. <laughs> I'm schooled. Both, yep. both going to Japan for Wrestle Kingdom. Yep. Both weren't allowed to watch wrestling growing up. Both watched wrestling growing up anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so that's exciting, and uh, we'll have to see if she's going to go uh, work. If she's going to continue to work with WWE, if WWE's going to let her work Japan. A lot of, lot of moving parts to this thing. Yeah, I mean, obviously the fact that when the, if New Japan is flying her in, you wouldn't think they would do that if she they weren't trying to either if she wasn't already agreed to work with them in some way, or if they weren't trying to, you know, wine and diner to, to work with them in some way, I guess the, the finer points of 
what she can do, what her relationship with WWE will be going forward. Uh, that's that'll be that'll be fun to uh, to speculate about and do uh, to consider going forward. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a strong feeling with it. I do remember, I believe it was Sean Ross Sapp several months ago now uh, had a story about how uh, Sasha was or Sasha's rep was contacted for a booking from some wrestling place for an appearance, uh, WrestleCade maybe. And uh, and was told no wrestling bookings until January first. So that would line up with this timeline if she were going to show up on a New Japan show, uh, you know, after the New Year. Surely would. And uh, Sasha and Kyrie makes a lot of sense. Kyrie, the first IWGP Women's Champion, has her first defense at Wrestle Kingdom, and uh, we assume. There's smoke to the fire that uh, Sasha Banks will be the next opponent based on uh, based on this today. But we'll, we will definitely have to see a lot of moving parts to that story. A lot of moving parts to the William Regal leaving AEW story, which is kind of I don't know how exactly, but maybe because he was in like four storylines at the same time on AEW <laughs> television and every effort that AEW made to further explain the AEW, the uh, the William Regal MJF storyline made the storyline more complex and less easy to understand. Uh, <laughs> but William Regal leaving AEW, going back to WWE, whether he was... His contract was not renewed or he got released from his contract. I guess there's some dispute about this. There's a lot of things about the story that don't make sense. But William Regal leaving AEW to to go back to WWE, not the biggest surprise in the world, but maybe the timing is a bit uh, of a surprise. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know a lot of of companies, a lot of wrestling companies that signed somebody to a nine-month contract. Right. Uh, first of all, <laughs> uh, or a, a an or even a three year contract with an out after nine months, or or whatever. Um. So that that was confusing because yeah, he didn't he didn't come in until March or whatever of this past year, and then he's as as of Tony Khan's own words, he's a free agent, and he'll be going back to WWE in the new year, basically. So, and they as you mentioned in a somewhat convoluted way have written him off of of uh, of of AEW television he's returned to his home planet and uh yeah i mean from his perspective it makes a lot of sense if you know if you've ever listened to William Regal speak about WWE whether that's Vince or Triple H um he makes it very clear that he thinks he would be dead without them um, and his, you know, his years of drug use and and everything, and feels like they took a chance and helped him get clean. And he's very loyal to that. Obviously, he and uh, Triple H also have a a long standing relationship going back to their brief tag team in WCW before Paul went to WWF. So, and yeah, and he was he was part of that that NXT Performance Center system under under Triple H as a coach and a talent scout and all that so and he didn't he didn't quit <laughs> you know he seemed even new vince Eagles regime 
of NXT that was in you know later 2020 and, and all throughout 21 and into 2022 before Vince was ousted, um, before Vince died, I should say. Um, he was he was still working there until they finally cut him. So, you know, I seemed like he was pretty happy with what he was doing and would have been fine just carrying on doing that. And that's, you know, it's not to say he didn't. I'm sure he had some fun in AEW, but obviously also his son works works for WWE and is and is in that NXT system right now. So there's a million and one reasons why it makes sense that William Regal wants to go back. The finer points of was the contract not renewed? Did he get a release? As you pointed out to me off the air, if it was simply a contract not being renewed, uh, I'm not sure how Tony Khan could uh, enforce Regal not appearing on WWE television, as has been intimated by himself and other people that Regal will not be on WWE TV once he goes back, at least for a year. So that would make you think that it was it was some sort of conditional release and not a not a simple non-renewal. But you know, either way, he's out of there. And and uh yeah, that's that's the end of uh, of William Regal in AEW. And it it sure was a nine-month period of time, wasn't it? It it was it was mostly fun. It was mm-hmm. mostly fun. What did you think of the explanation that he gave? <laughs> <laughs> on uh, dynamite this week where he's like we're filming this interview with myself and my the great one of the great loves of my life tony Giovanni, <laughs> and the only cameraman in this business that i trust uh in the event that i get injured <laughs> we're going to show this and it will prove that i am in fact blackpool combat club until i die uh what did you think of that explanation uh bad <laughs> Not not making a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I I I think you made it worse, and I think John. It was much better served to John Moxley when he simply ignored it and cut a promo about the Ring of Honor show instead. Yes, <laughs> when it was over, because uh, it didn't make sense, and it doesn't make sense why he, there's a line where he's like, you know, I helped MJF because really I wanted to punish him or something, and it's like. I, 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 <laughs> Okay, you punished him by giving him the world championship. All right. And uh, and really, this was just, you know, I've given you my final lesson and whatever. I don't, I don't know. Again, I also question because according to Tony Khan's timeline of things, uh, William Regal contacted uh, the head of legal for AEW in October, right before the Toronto show. Right. So they've known if that's the case. And then the following week of television, I think it was, he said maybe the week after the Toronto shows, they sat down and had a, a long discussion and, and hashed this out and decided they were going to let him go. Fine. But again, that was all before <laughs> the pay-per-view where he turned heel and, uh, and, and, you he know, became helped. the main character of AEW. Right. <laughs> Just in time to disappear. <laughs> a fascinating decision <laughs> to still do that if you knew the guy was leaving two or three weeks later. Um, and again, maybe the logistics weren't ironed out. Maybe you thought he would be there until the end of the year. But even so, I mean, they were already doing the tournament where it was clear that Starks was going to wrestle MJF um, as his first opponent. So it's not like they were going to go right to a Moxley rematch or something where they could pay that off. Also, I mean, I was surprised he did the the bump that he did with the MJF segment, but 
it's not like in the end Moxley can give him a death rider and send him off on his merry way. So it's not like you can really get comeuppance on him. So I guess they just <laughs> they just decided to write him out and <laughs> no, it didn't make it didn't make sense. And it didn't make sense to do it, especially if you knew he was leaving. And even in the even in the version where they didn't know for sure he was leaving until like this week. <laughs> I still don't think that explanation made uh, made much sense. So just just a bizarre way of handling all of this from a behind the scenes perspective and the in front of the camera way they handled it. So for two months, he's been the main character of AEW. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for two months, they've known that he was leaving, according to their own timeline. That does a fascinating. That does appear to be the uh, what the version of events we were given fascinating and i don't mean to make light of this but and we wish mrs khan the best Mm -hmm. tony khan somehow trying to explain that like maybe he wasn't paying attention when regal asked for his release because his mom was sick i i didn't understand what that was i i didn't understand what that was when he was talking about his mom. Yeah. I didn't understand I, why he brought up his mom being in the hospital and what it had to do with his story. Other than he kind of tried to tie it to, well, we're a family first company. Right. And I mean, I guess, I don't know. I, I nitpicked that man to death. Uh, you sure I, do. <laughs> I don't, I don't wish his, him or his family any ill, but uh, it's I very brave of you to say, I thank didn't understand. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Firefighters come up, shake my hand and tell me, <laughs> You are braver than I am because you were willing to say things like that. I, uh, I just, uh, I, I thought that was in poor taste. Fair, yeah. Like I said, I think none of this made a, a lick of sense to me. Again, from from when uh, Paul uh, tweeted out the Regal War Games clip on the night of Survivor Series. Very catty. Uh, yes. Which I mean that I did I did enjoy that that uh that Tony was like, yeah, I don't I didn't appreciate that given that I'm kind of doing something I don't have to do by letting him out of his contract. But it's like, ah, well, we learned a lesson, didn't we? <laughs> Again. <laughs> it's a war, man. <laughs> no matter what Paul says, it's a war, and you beat the crap out of him and got him fired. <laughs> He hates you. Yeah, that's all. that's all I got. I was like, I just thought when when Tony brought up the the Triple H tweet and how he was surprised by it, I was like, boy, I don't know how someone can be in the wrestling business for this long and still be this naive about things when you're dealing with WWE, especially. But you know, God bless you, man. But you, sh- but I think you should have expected it. Well, Tony doesn't seem to learn a lot of lessons. Well, I mean, when you've been rich your entire life, you don't really have to learn lessons, do you? No, there's really not a whole lot of consequence to anything you do. Correct. So, well, we learned that lesson again, didn't we? (laughs) We'll see if it sticks this time. The next time somebody, he did make a point of, uh, I forget who asked the follow-up question of like, well, you know, there are other people in your company that seemingly want to leave and they have family (laughs) in WWE or, you know, wives or girlfriends and things like that. 
Yeah. And Antonio's like, well, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this for everyone. And I was like, <laughs> well, maybe don't use the justification that <laughs> that you did it for family then. Because it, it is, I think, a logical follow-up question to ask someone if you if you said that you're a family first company and you let Regal out primarily because after your own traumatic family experience, you wanted to help reunite a father and son. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a fair question to ask. What about, you know, the guy whose wife is in another company, the guy whose girlfriend is in another company, whatever, whatever the relationship might be, the guy who just wants to leave, <laughs> you know, what's, what's, uh, you know, maybe, maybe his leave and you, him is hurting his family life you know i don't know so yeah. it's just it's it's a it was a valid follow-up question which is not something i get to say about the wrestling media very often so good job everybody yes whoever asked that question yes it's very much a slippery slope argument <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe he would have been better off just being like he got down on his hands and knees and begged me to let him hated working here and so i said yes <laughs> You know, maybe, yeah, maybe you could try telling the truth. That's all, that's all I'm saying. What did you make of the story that, uh, I don't know, a lot of whispers, third-hand information through guys like EC3, your close personal friend, EC3, mm-hmm. and Brian Pillman Jr. and things of that nature, that William Regal's advice was not always appreciated by young talent in AEW. And that he would try to hold like seminars at television once mm-hmm. a week. And sometimes he would have a full full audience. And sometimes it would be like Lee Moriarty and Brian Pillman Jr. And one other guy who I can't remember <laughs> they named it Pillman named. But a um, lot of buzz that Regal did not feel appreciated by young talent. A lot of buzz that young talent there view him as part of a system that they don't respect that Mm -hmm. that he sold himself out by working for wwe as long as he did etc etc a lot of moving parts to this but what did you make of the story of um of uh young talent not listening to regal if that's in fact what happened I mean, I hate to be such a centrist about it, but I, I can see both sides of that in the same way that when, you know, Punk went on his rant about, you know, about how Adam Page wouldn't listen to him and the Bucks and MJF and whoever don't listen to him. And I can understand why that would be frustrating from CM Punk's point of view, because he's done a lot of stuff and he's been a lot of places and he's made a lot of money. Um, and on Regal's side, you know, he's trained a lot of world champions. He's trained a lot of big stars in this industry and has been around and seen what works and what doesn't work. And yeah, you should theoretically, you should want to want to learn from him. But I also think there is that that style, especially if you depending on, you know, you may have gotten into the wrestling or or gotten into the company by the side of like the the young bucks. Can he do it yourself? attitude and the and then you see a guy who was triple h's right hand man walk into your company and say i'm gonna teach you guys how to wrestle now yeah and i can understand them going f off like also as far as i understand it AEW has coaches and and people like like dustin rhodes and and people like that who are 
who are working with talent at these TV tapings already. Madison uh, Rain. Right. <laughs> right. You don't need William <laughs> Regal. You have Madison Rain. Madison Rain will teach you how to wrestle. Yes. Again, I'm not saying if it, if it were up to me, if I was a young wrestler who was serious about honing my craft, yes, I would like to think that I would I would list I would heed Lord Regal's uh, teachings. <laughs> yes. But I also think I understand why a guy painted with such strong WWE colors walking in there and saying, all right, now it's time to get serious and teach you guys how to work <laughs> would rub some some people the wrong way. And you would want to tell the old man to F off. Like I, I, yeah. So I guess that's where I land on it. Like I, I think that's a very believable story. There's a, there's a bit on commentary. I remember, um, I don't remember the exact context, but Regal is on commentary for a hangman match. Right. And they ask him a question about hangman page. And he's like, I've never been, I've never spoken to hangman page before. I've never really met. I've, you know, I talked to a lot of people backstage. He, he really, he really keeps to himself. I don't really ever speak to him. I don't know what goes through his head. I don't know his philosophies on wrestling. <laughs> and I just thought him saying that publicly on the air was like, at the time was like, okay. So he's kind <laughs> of in the camp of there's, there's a cluster of people in this company that aren't interested in hearing from me, a very experienced person. And that rubs me the wrong way. So I'm bringing it up on the air. Right. Um, and I, again, maybe I'm reading too much into that, but especially I think in like the punk stuff, it, it sort of exasperated that, that kind of thing. And, and maybe the, the, the divide between the, the home team and the, the quote unquote WWE invaders has maybe gotten sharper. <laughs> And and the way that WWE guys coming in and trying to teach people um, is looked at by certain people, probably uh, a little bit uh, a little bit less friendly than and maybe it even would have been a year ago. So yeah, I I totally believe that as a a contributing factor, even if you know just wanting to go back to his old job and work with the son and all that was the main thing. Yeah, I could totally see this being a. A part of it if he felt like if, if his greatest love in wrestling at this point is to work with the next generation and teach and there aren't a lot of people who want <laughs> who want to be taught by him then i imagine that could be a really frustrating deal for him far be it from me to ever stick up for the elite but i kind of get hangman's point of view on a lot of this stuff sure <laughs> you know it's like in large part, we are here right now because we got over on our own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, well, maybe really everyone should just be paying royalties to the guy who designed the Bullet Club t-shirt for the rest of their lives. <laughs> because maybe that's the, really at the heart of the matter. Right. But I can see it from Kenny and the Bucks and Hangman's point of view. Or like, look, this whole thing, this whole company exists because we got over mm-hmm. on our own. We did our own thing. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know what someone from WCW 30 years ago is going to tell me about getting over today in wrestling. Like, I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. Like, I... I can definitely see now William Regal is going to have a chain wrestling clinic before TV every week. I would probably attend. (laughs) Sure. 
that's I mean, again, any any company would benefit from <laughs> from having him. It's like I, I yeah, it's I do think that is a fair point to point out that the everything the AEW television show and the AEW company that William Regal walked into and and did his best to help, let's yes. say. Yeah. Uh was built by people who were doing things that people in WWE said would never work and couldn't work in a, on a broad, you know, television audience. And then it did. <laughs> so, and again, a lot of factors went into it, as you said, you know, a perfect storm of things, contracts coming due, Jericho, the Jericho Kenny match. Like there's a billion things, not just the elite didn't do this by themselves, right. but yeah, I can, I can understand why them and the people that kind of have come with them on this journey aren't looking for yeah a, a six-year-old man who is triple h's best friend to uh <laughs> tell them how to work i can understand why that would rub people the wrong way for sure so a lot of behind the scenes stuff uh ew television they're building to winter is coming next week feels like an afterthought because they have a ring of honor pay-per-view this weekend um, a lot of buzz that they're going to be announcing a Ring of Honor television deal this weekend. Uh, boy, oh boy, there goes another night a week. <laughs> but uh, pay per view this weekend, uh, Jericho versus Claudio for the ROH world title. Do you think uh, Jericho drops the title here? I hope so because if the stipulation is if Claudio loses, he has to join the JAS. Yes. And that would to me would imply that the never ending Blackpool Combat Club versus JAS feud has to continue. So I'm I'm hoping for some finality here and for uh for Claudio to go into the new year as the Ring of Honor champion. Daniel Garcia versus Wheeler Utah for the ROH Pure Championship, the most boringest championship in the <laughs> history of wrestling. <laughs> God bless these young lads. I hope one of them gets a personality transplant. Well, my fascination with this is that we spent like most of the summer <laughs> building television around Daniel Garcia and Chris Jericho and Brian Danielson. Garcia, the protagonist of AEW for the entire month of July. Correct. And then ultimately they paid it off on that Toronto show and he decided not to turn. Which is fine. You don't, you know, just because you tease a dissension doesn't mean you always have to do the turn. But after that, the next AEW big show, Daniel Garcia wasn't on that show. They started teasing dissension between Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho instead. (laughs) And I just don't, I don't, I don't understand why you spent all that time with Daniel Garcia. And then on top of that, Daniel Garcia is not wrestling Brian Danielson, the man who he cost the world championship in October. He's wrestling Wheeler Yuta, a guy he beat clean for this championship like six months ago. So, you know, I, it'll be a good match. These guys have had good matches on TV before. Um, but, you know, and I thought, I mean, personality transplants, maybe for Yuta, I like I thought Garcia held his own in that in that Jericho stuff. This summer, I thought he he was a compelling television character, but he's since that turn where he or not turn where he helped Jericho win, he just kind of been standing there, <laughs> and yes. I guess wrestling on dark and stuff. And I mean that's that's a 
that is a macro problem in AEW is that they will seemingly build up to a crescendo for somebody and then they get the big win or they don't get the big win. And then we just don't hear from them for two months afterwards. So yeah, uh, not, not Danny Garcia, not the only person who has suffered from this, but that was my thought when I saw this match, I was like, well, I've seen this match a few times already and it felt like we moved on and that Garcia was getting ready to wrestle Danielson again or something. And it's like, no, we're just going to do him and Yuta again, whatever. It'll be fine. Mercedes Martinez versus the shooter Athena <laughs> for the ROH women's world title. It's, it's a match. It'll be something. Mercedes is, uh, is playing the role of the undertaker here to, uh, Take take Athena to wrestler's court. I guess. I don't know. Sure to crack her knuckles in case Athena won't do business. <laughs> Fascinating. What a loser under oh, that's, a, that's a, <laughs> a different topic I could go off on one day, but Undertaker is very upset that today's wrestlers do not uh shoot back straight whiskey and uh like play dice and stab each other in the locker room there instead they play video games that's right it would be you know he would get along great with katana chance because she loves <laughs> to shoot back straight whiskey yes this we know about her makes to shake a little something <laughs> kaden carter likes to say sometimes <laughs> All right, we'll get to NXT in a moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Samoa Joe is wrestling Juice Robinson for the ROH World Television title. Uh, Juice Robinson signed, I guess. Hey, Juice is here. <laughs> <laughs> just like when uh, when he just popped up at that Tony Storm signing you went to a couple of months ago. Yeah, and I spent all my time talking to Juice instead of Tony. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> he drew the eye, you know? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, uh, ROH legend oh. Juice Robinson is here to uh, to defend Ring of Honor's honor, I guess, against the uh, the two belted Samoa Joe, who is feuding with Wardlow at the same time. Sure, Swerve and our glory are back together. <laughs> How can I miss you if you won't go away? Uh huh. Versus Shane Taylor Promotions. Okay, fine. Like, I don't think they should have broken up Swerve and Keith right now anyway. And maybe they came to that same conclusion also because they just put them back together. They did kind of half-ass explain it with one promo on television where, like, Swerve put his hand over the camera and says, we need to talk. But, right. uh, which is, it's not nothing. They did they did try something. But also, why did they build, like, a month of television around these two guys having issues and then they just can they just keep teaming mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah they 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 had issues from like week one of them teaming <laughs> together yes and then they won the tag titles and they were good guys for a while and they stopped having issues and then they lost the belts and started having issues again and uh then they broke up seemingly and then now they're not so yeah we just uh you know we're hot and cold on this one. We just we just keep going back and forth on it. So uh, it'll be a good match. I'm glad I'm glad Shane Taylor's getting a look. If if Ring of Honor is going to get to be its own thing, you know, I he's a guy I'd want I'd want on my television show. So uh, glad he's he's getting a look. And I know he and Keith Lee go go way back. So I'm sure again, as with everything on the show, I think it'll probably be good good 
good wrestling, but yeah, nothing. It's amazing how slapped together this show feels, considering how much time we devote to Ring of Honor every week on AEW television. Yeah, somehow still feels like a complete afterthought. Tony said he's really tried to keep ROH off of Dynamite lately, and I'm like, didn't Samoa Joe just defended ROH TV title last week? I think so. Show? Or maybe it was the TNT one he, he he's defended. Anyway. But, but the Jericho thing is still like the main event of every show for the last two months. I swear. I swear. This man is not watching the same program that I am. Dalton Castle and the boys defending the ROH six-man tag title against Brian Cage and the Gates of Agony. Just a horrible name for a team. So it's such a horrible name that I'm surprised they're not a, they're not an NXT tag team from like 2014. Gates of Agony. <laughs> like that feels like what the Ascension would have been called when they first got to NXT. Good call. Good call. And in a match added to Saturday's 4 p.m. Eastern Time pay per view, <laughs> the normal time. <laughs> so we we like to call mm-hmm. that start time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they added a, a tag title match in the final like 14 seconds of Dynamite this week. Uh, FTR will be wrestling the Briscoes in a double dog collar match for the ROH tag titles because why not? Well, you know, I thought it was a pretty creative way of getting around the <laughs> Warner Media's very strong no Briscoes policy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, they had the guns, the gun, Billy, <laughs> which Billy. is a, it's an amazing thought to be like, we're gonna have Billy Gunn's dickhead sons, uh, <laughs> cut a promo for the Briscoes. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, so they did. These guys apparently have bangers. I don't know, I've never seen any of them, but uh. <laughs> They uh they apparently gonna have a banger in a dog collar match. Probably gonna be a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um and everyone will 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 love this match and uh they will love their ring of honor. Sure. I mean I, I think the uh what you call critically, I think all of these Ring of Honor shows since Tony at least decently well received. Um they're not long, which is good. And different than most other Tony Khan booked pay-per-views. Um, and there's usually good wrestling on them. I really liked the first FDR Briscoes match. That was just a wrestling match. Uh, I thought the two out of three falls match overstayed its welcome a little bit. And and we'll see, I guess, what this one, how how this one is received with the with the blood and the violence. But sure, it's 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 a rematch of the biggest ring of honor or the most talked about ring of honor match all year, if you can call it a ring of honor match. Uh Ring of Honor in name only, maybe. But yeah, it's happening on the Ring of Honor show for the third time. It's a tri- it's a trilogy now, and you do the big, crazy, bloody brawl to, to end it there. So, that's the first pay-per-view coming up on Saturday. The second pay-per-view starts at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Peacock. Mm-hmm. NXT Deadline, where they've brought back... It's they have they're introducing a new match type. It's the Iron Survivor Challenge, which is like a mix of a scramble match and TNA's King of the Mountain match, from as best I could tell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
this 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 program. Oh boy. <laughs> so uh, on this show, but we'll get to the to the two Iron Survivor Challenge matches in a moment. But uh, Elbow Fire versus Isla Dawn <laughs> is on this program. Elbow Fire is of is of course Kaylee Ray, who in the tradition of WWE and Scottish superstars, they've given her a name that she cannot pronounce. <laughs> so she is Elbow Fire. Uh, sure. That's happening. Pretty Deadly, best act in WWE, are defending the NXT tag titles against the New Day. Ron Breaker is wrestling Apollo Crews for the NXT title in a match built on mutual respect and friendship. I saw the gimmick of them fishing, which I thought was pretty funny. Like yeah. I don't know if it was supposed to be funny, but it made me laugh. Well, they go fishing together. They share meals at the diner, and uh, they're just going to have a little friendly competition for the title. So Two- is the conceit here that secretly one of them is going to like kick kick the other one in the balls during the match and turn heel? I hope so. I don't want to see two friends who they just established were friends two weeks ago (laughs) wrestle for the championship. Like, I I don't know. Neither of these guys is is Mr. Charisma. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I thought it was really funny in Sean's uh, uh, conference call this week when they asked him who he could see going up to the main roster next. He mentioned Apollo Crews in there. This 34-year-old guy who was on the main roster for five years. I think he could make it. I think he might have a chance up there. Sean doesn't watch the product. It's fine. It's probably for the best he doesn't. (laughs) All right. Uh, The Iron Survivor Challenge, the Women's Iron Survivor Challenge. (laughs) These are the rules. Two wrestlers start the match. Every five minutes, another wrestler enters until all five participants are present. After the last wrestler enters, there is a predetermined time limit. (laughs) Each time a wrestler scores a pinfall, submission, or is the victim of a disqualification, they gain a point. A wrestler who is pin submitted or disqualified goes into a penalty box for 90 seconds. (sighs) The winner of the match is the wrestler who scores the most points at the end of the time limit. The winners of the men's and women's matches become the number one contenders for the NXT Championship and NXT Women's Championship, respectively. Whoo boy. So the Women's Iron Survivor Challenge, Zoe Stark, Cora Jade, Roxanne Perez, Kiana James, who doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, <laughs> and Indy Hartwell. Okay. Um, my first thought is that uh, whoever came up with the name... Iron Survivor Challenge should be fired. Fair uh, enough. Just the least creative, <laughs> just mishmashing buzzwords like you threw a dart. Yes. At, at different wrestling words and stipulation names and just went. It's like how this is a, this is a terrible aside, but I'm just gonna do it. Uh, the Marvel the Marvel Comics Secret Wars event. It's where Spider Man gets the black costume from. Sure. It was called that because they focus tested. They were doing a toy line that was going to tie in and they asked kids what words they liked best. And the two <laughs> words that tested the highest were secret and wars. 
So that's why this like very famous comic thing that's going to be made into like a billion dollar movie in a couple of years is called that is because it, a toy company did some focus testing. And that's what this feels like to me. They just focus tested that, you know, the, the room of writers just went around and picked out some words, some different buzzwords and smushed them together. Seems pretty likely. So there are, is there anything secret or warish about the secret Wars saga? Um, I wouldn't really say so because the comic is just like a guy teleports a bunch of superheroes and a bunch of supervillains to an alien planet and makes them fight. Um, huh. it's a very, it's a very bare bones, even by like the standards of like 1980s comic books. Yeah. It's a very bare bones concept. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a whole lot of anything, but uh the more there was a more modern like sequel that also involved like multiverse versions of everyone showing up, which is I assume what the movie will take from, but um it's the the excuse is that it's an excuse to get some actors that people recognize in uh costumes they wore 15 years ago uh for a movie. Uh cuz that's how uh IP driven uh cinema is made now. It's Let's let's remember some guys. By the way, we should we should report. Black Adam <laughs> is actually going to profit between <laughs> between thirty and seventy million dollars. Dwayne said so. Dwayne <laughs> is not mad that someone reported the Black Adam was going to be a money lizard. Don't put on the internet that Dwayne was mad. Dwayne is not mad. That's right. He's definitely not getting iced out by the new DC heads. Uh, that's another story for another day the men's iron survivor challenge carmelo hayes who is good versus Mm -hmm. jd mcdonough who is like five below finn balor Mm -hmm. versus grayson waller who is like australian five below miz (laughs) versus joe gacy who is like five below bray wyatt Mm mm-hmm Versus Axiom, who is a kid under a mask. Well, that's what I'll be doing with my Saturday night. (laughs) Do you feel like the winners? So the winners of these get title shots. Correct. Mandy has been champion for like seven years. Just crossed three three hundred sixty five days, I believe. Yes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes. And and Braun's been champion for a pretty long time now. I guess other than his pit stop loss to Ziggler, yeah, uh, he did a, he did a short switch. But uh, aside from that, let's see, he has been NXT. Anyway, continue. So I just like, does it feel like we're getting behind somebody to to? ascend like i mean i'm looking at hearing the names in that in that in the women's one it's like well all those people to my knowledge have just with the exception of kiana james have just been on that television show forever and it yeah. feels like you're it's time to like fish or cut bait with a lot of these names because i they've been on nxt television for two years and i kind of thought we weren't just hoarding people in nxt anymore like it was like you're in you get shipped up to the main roster we take a look at you for six months and go from there I can, I'm editing this one, so I I can, I'm going to control <laughs> this conversation. Mm-hmm. We're going to go down the uh, the list of the women here. Zoe Stark, they just put a new uh, painted coat on. They just mm-hmm. uh, turned her heel. 
she made a lot of mean faces <laughs> and she turned on her alleged proud girls uh tag team <laughs> partner <laughs> the great nikita lions mm-hmm. uh so zoe they and like zoe had they've made her a, she was at like producing matches when she was out hurt like they think highly of her okay she, she didn't wrestle for like eight years and is like one of the best girls they have mm-hmm. uh and they just put a new a new uh coat of paint on her as a heel mm-hmm. so maybe cora jade they just turned her heel uh and uh she and braun are a real life item and i think I don't trust uh, the intentions of people that are really big Cora Jade fans. <laughs> Just put it that way. She's a barely uh, like 21 or 22 year old woman who looks like a child. And I don't uh, I don't trust anyone who is a really big Cora Jade fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but they see again, they seem high on her and she's fairly recently turned heel. So, uh, yeah. Roxanne Perez is really good and is babyface and should probably already be on the main roster. So, uh, eh. it's also maybe the only babyface in this match. <laughs> so if you want All a babyface right. to beat Mandy, I guess that makes sense. Kiana James, I don't know. They're giving her a shot. Indy Hartwell, Indy's been there a long time. She's really she tall. Is. She's really tall. Mm-hmm. And she is strong. And those are <laughs> things that you really have to uh, uh, appreciate about Indy Hartwell. Uh, Seems to be polite and <laughs> rarely late. Yes. She got into wrestling because of Bailey and Sasha Banks. And so I think Hunter likes her. So I, and she's tall. So <laughs> I think. I did I, see they um they reunited her and Dexter at like an NXT house show the, yeah uh, this past weekend so like why don't you just put them together on on TV like well, they put the rest of that crew together on T on Raw this week yeah so they that may be where they're going with that so I guess I would pick Roxanne Perez to win out of that group I don't know I mean she's the only one that I that I am aware of and have seen. <laughs> I've seen wrestle more than like two times uh, of that group other than Indy, I guess. And I was like, yeah, I mean, she's, she's really good. And yeah, she's someone that you should be building around for the next 10 years. So she's all though, correct. Wasn't she like 19 when she was at ring of honor champion? Yeah. Roxanne's really young. She might. Yeah. It might be a a maturity issue as we, as we like to label things in wrestling. I, (sighs) If anything, that's I think they're. I don't think it's because of any specific issues with her. I think that would just be like, okay, we're not going to push anyone until they're twenty-two or whatever. Sure, (laughs) I don't think there's any like. I don't think. Yeah, I didn't mean maturity as far as like a behavioral issue. Right, right, right. right, right. Which is maybe the the term that 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 maybe that's usually what that implies. That's uh, she needs some seasoning. That's the term I'm looking for. Seasoning is is what she's lacking currently. Sure, sure. I I can see that argument. I think she's better than most people already in the company, but I can see that argument. Wow, better uh, than Dana Brooke and Carmella and Selena oh, Vega and whoever else. Oh, oh, E Fab. Oh, <laughs> top dollar, the worst wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> the worst wrestler in WWE. 
gosh, she makes uh, Brutus Clay look like uh, Luthez. <laughs> oh, gosh. Really a shame that Top Dollar got re-signed by WWE before Bill Corgan could put uh, could put the <laughs> Top Dollar Tyrus Dream match together. Uh, really? Yeah. Out of the guys, Carmelo's good and he has kind of a character. JD feels like He's already had a couple of cycle through a couple of title programs there with Braun. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a sex criminal, allegedly. They don't seem to care about that. That's true. They, <laughs> if anything, that seems like a plus in your resume for that company sometimes. Indeed. Grayson Waller, for some reason, they're very high on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His work is not very good. His talking is not very good. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I think that's a TV match. Like I could see Roxanne. And Mandy being the WrestleMania program or their mm-hmm. whatever the Santa deliver their WrestleMania weekend show will be. But yeah. So I guess that's what's uh what's coming out of there going forward. We ha- we are like way into the show and we haven't talked about WWE main roster yet because really what's there to say? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're a little we're a little past Survivor series now. Obviously Becky came back since we last did a show. Um yeah. that's been the biggest thing on WWE television, but uh the, the bloodline the war games mm-hmm. Sami Zayn, very popular mm-hmm. roman reigns got big mad at kevin owens uh, for slapping him in the war games kevin owens hates roman reigns eardrum <laughs> that's my takeaway from that story that's right uh so yeah but i as far as the the television that has transpired since then well last week's show uh a, a week from this past monday uh, had a third hour that had a long Candice LeRae and Dakota Kai match, and then a long Kevin Owens versus Jey Uso match. Yeah, uh, and it did not do well. And then surprisingly, a, a third hour this week that had a Becky Lynch match in the main event did like the worst hour in the history of professional wrestling for Raw. Um, which obviously is not the fault of the people involved, but uh, that that yeah, it just doesn't feel like a, a hot show right now. They did like a, a a through line of the show of like a poker tournament <laughs> with uh, with JBL and and Corbin, and that led to some stuff. Very very Vince. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It was a very uh, very Vince idea. It's that's I, I don't know. Like I I don't think the shows have been bad necessarily, but yeah, Roman hasn't been on the shows, so you have you have the NWOB team. <laughs> Um, I mean, say, like you said, Sammy's very over, and people people like the Usos and 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 Solo Sokoa is uh, is also there, and uh, you know they're, they're they were you know they're they're just doing some stuff like they're gonna do a tag title match with Sheamus and Butch against uh, against the Usos this week, and and they're gonna do you know they're just they're just trucking along. There's no December pay per view for WWE this year, so. Yeah, we're just we're just kicking the can until it's time to uh, to build the rumble. And really, if years pass for any indication, that means until like nine days before the Royal Rumble is when we'll start feeling a sense of urgency on the show again. Yep. Yep. Rollins versus Lashley for the number one contendership to the U.S. title is the big match on Raw on Monday. It's just I think they're trying to make a concerted effort to make people care about the U S championship. Yeah. But it's like Austin theory has it. Yeah. Real star. If a real star held it, it would matter. Right. And that's always the thing, which is the, 
which was at least for years the WWE philosophy was that it's not it doesn't matter what belt it is it matters who's holding it right the the man makes the title Um, and I think that's a self-fulfilling prophecy on WWE television because yeah if Lashley is the champion or Seth's the champion and is defending it on TV regularly it will feel important but when a guy like Austin Theory gets it doesn't feel so important anymore does it there is there is something to that um all right is there anything else you want to get into no i think that's uh that's that's about it um we we've just just covered the the whole landscape of wrestling it sounds like the new year is going to be exciting like i'm i'm interested in the sash thing we've talked before about how if there is a single promotion in japan that feels like it has momentum right now it's stardom and and sasha going there would be feels like the biggest like needle moving thing to happen in a non WWE company or a non AEW company since, uh, since Jericho went to new Japan for the first time. So that would be, that's a big, exciting story to, to look forward to. I think even if, even if you're personally not the biggest Sasha Banks fan, or you don't personally plan on watching her like her versus Kyrie would be a really big deal. And also kind of playing off the end of Kyrie's WWE run, if you remember. So there's that as well. You're you're capping a uh, a years long feud at this point if you get that if you get that match off the ground. All right. Well, till next time, everyone. I'm Ethan, and I'm Liam. We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Now, here are this week's bonus features. I was trying to read this Dan Snyder piece that just dropped right before. Oh, dang. Well, there's my evening sorted. (laughs) (laughs) There's just a lot of stuff about how he he did a lot to obstruct the (laughs) congressional hearing and and the testimonies of of the people involved. And then there were like quotes from like like it just said the Republican. So I guess it's like (laughs) the party spokesperson saying that it was a partisan witch hunt and all of that um so yeah but it was just a lot of things it was <laughs> the quote is like he obstructed he intimidated witnesses and he routinely claimed he couldn't remember or didn't know the answer to very basic questions <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like dan there's the guy i know <laughs> this is what we like to call vintage dan <laughs> read that his whole thing for not wanting to sell the team was so he could uh, hand the team over to his kids. But it's like, what if you sell the team and you get $2 billion and you hand your kids $2 billion? (laughs) Yeah. You think they might appreciate that more? I would think so. I mean, heck, with that money, they could probably go buy another team if they want. (laughs) Go buy into a good team. Well, certainly hope things turn around for our friend Dan. (laughs) 
And a lot of you think Dan's pushing himself out of the job. <laughs> but he would never do that to himself. <laughs> not that kind of guy. <sighs> the Washington Post has also reminded us that Dan, the family guy. <laughs> He's a family guy. Good family man. Good, good family man. I try to keep on keeping on.